Hey, we've been talking about James and I actually, uh, last Wednesday night, you know, we were doing the, the stuff at the funeral and I came home and I was just exhausted, but I did catch pastor Tommy on Facebook live. I mean, he's enjoying the Facebook live. Yeah. I hate it when I have to listen to myself, but <laughs> I do enjoy listening to everybody else. So I went back and listened to pastor Tommy, man. He killed it last week. I was like, I don't know if I want to teach after him, but he's not here. So, <laughs> so here we go. Um, but so we're still in James chapter one, which you know what, we're not, we're going to take our time through it because there's so much spiritual truths. And I put on your paper that we're in James one, 16 through 18 tonight. We'll just be 16 through 17. And then next Wednesday, I'll finish up with verse 18. So that's how good it is. So we're going to dive right in. Is that good? Anybody been enjoying the book of James on Wednesday nights? We've been teaching. It's been good stuff. Hope you hope you're getting something out of it. The word of God is uh, alive and active. And so it's always it's always has new revelation if you're just looking for it. So um, here's how we're going to start this. We're talking about avoiding deceptions in trials. And I think Pastor Mo may have said this, but I think it was him that when he taught a couple Wednesday nights ago, he said this. He said, how many know we're either in the middle of a trial, going through, or going through a trial, just came through a trial, or about to go through a trial. That's kind of how life is, right? It's a lot of ups and valleys and mountaintops, and, and we kind of grow and learn through that. And I kind of wish it was, you know, a little more even keel in my life, especially the last three or four weeks in my life has been a little crazy. But you know what? The Lord has been showing me a whole lot, even about myself, during these last couple of weeks. And so even though I don't like going through them, I, when looking back, I realize that I have more sympathy for people. I can relate better to people um, in that. And also, I'm learning things about myself. One of the biggest things I've learned the last couple of weeks is that my foundation wasn't quite as sure as I thought it was. You know, because I've had some things the last couple of weeks that's rocked my foundation, rocked my world. I'm just like, God, what in the world's happening here? And it, I, I think it's no coincidence that we're in the book of James and all that's happening. Because remember, the first when I first taught, it was why do bad things happen to good people? And I had just went through that death of my spiritual son, and so it was a lot going on. And so to, as I'm as I'm studying for this today, I'm like, and here we go again. This is kind of right where I'm at, Lord. So all right, so we'll do it. So avoiding deceptions in the middle of trials, James chapter one, um, verse sixteen. Did you know when I did not know this that the largest, the second largest industry in Nigeria? is that of the con artist who emailed gullible Americans promising to send them millions of dollars if they will send them their bank account numbers. So has that ever happened to anyone? Has anybody ever got a phone call and is like, I need your bank number, your social security number? It, I, it, it happens sometimes with my in-laws and I'm, I I'll tell her, do, you do not, I don't care if they say they know you and they, you do not give out that information to anybody because they, they really prey on older people who don't really understand and don't know better, you know? And so it's, it's con artists. It's people who trick people out of something because, because they just don't have the knowledge of it. Okay. So as anyone, so as we said, it, you receive calls like that con artists abound in the evil world, but not just in the financial realm. They also abound in the spiritual realm. Satan is the master deceiver. He's a, the Bible says he's a liar and the father of lies. His false prophets disguise themselves as angels of light. That's in 2 Corinthians. I put that on your paper. They promise people answers to their deepest problems, but they actually lure them to spiritual destruction. Believers going through trials, like you and I, are especially vulnerable to spiritual con artists. Satan's ministers of deceptions will say stuff like this. So, and I'm just, think about if you've heard this before. So your God, if your God is so good and powerful, why did he allow this tragedy to happen? 
Either he's not very good or he's not able to stop such trials. Maybe you haven't heard it like that, but I've heard things like, especially in our profession, I hear things like that, like, how can a good God allow this to happen? I mean, anybody ever heard anything kind of like that? Tell me, explain to me how God, who's supposed to be love, has allowed me so much pain in my life, right? Okay, let me just give you an answer to that question. I'm not God. I know he's good based on his attributes, but there's just some answers we're not going to, some questions we're not going to have answers to this side of heaven. Just, we're just not. I mean, life is hard and it's tough. And sometimes we just, and that's where faith comes in, right? That's the whole thing about faith. That's where I have to just know that I know that I know even when I can't see and even when I don't have an answer for. And man, I've really walked through that these last couple of weeks of just having to know that I know God. And even when I can't explain him, right? Because man, that's really tough when we can't explain God. I think I told him that a while back. That really bothers me when I can't explain. When I can put God in a pretty little box, and explain him to somebody, my world is good. But when tragedy happens and that box is, is it arrives uh, busted up, <laughs> I don't really know. So I have to rely on, I know my God is good. The truth is, a lot of times we have more faith in our welfare system than we do in God. We have faith that in our country, that I know that whatever happens as bad as it is, the government's going to take care of me. And in this country, hallelujah, that's uh, partly true, mostly true, right? But we have a God who is going to be there for us for everything. And we have to believe that. Here's what happens. When we start going through really bad times, it's really hard. It's really easy for the enemy to come in and start telling lies that we start believing. Because at the time, they seem real. Because remember, we talked about feelings, how real feelings are. They're just not always true. And so we're talking about that, the master deception of Satan. So believers who are going through trials will hear things like that. Um, usually they'll hear along the lines of the thinking that they'll direct their attention to people in the world. This, okay, this is, I wrote this down because it's good. I may have not, people might not say this, but I've thought this. Like, it's not fair that so-and-so who's not even serving God has everything going for him. And here I am giving everything to God. And look what's happening. I mean, I know I'm not the only one. So don't even try to look at me with holy eyes. We all in this together, right? And it's true because we start putting our eyes on other people and being like, oh, my goodness. Like, why are they so blessed? And it looks like they have everything going for them, you know? Why are they so blessed? My boys came home a while back. I would say the other day, but it was probably a couple weeks ago now. And they said, we were talking about Hunter's senior trip because that's coming up this year. And it's our 25th wedding anniversary. And, you know, Hayden will be a junior. So we were like, what if we combined all three and do, like, both of our senior trips, our 25th anniversary, and do a big trip somewhere? So we've kind of been ta- talking about that for next summer, like, what, where we want to go, what we want to do, kind of just putting them all three in one. And so Hunter says, well, you know, so-and-so at the school, you know they're rich, Mom. They, uh, which we live in Berwick, so we deal with that. They, he's going to Rome for his senior trip. And I said, well, guess where I'm going? And I'll, guess where your inheritance is at? Heaven. Top that. You know, he's like, mom. I was like, baby, listen, I understand they may have more physical money than we have, but do you know what your inheritance is? Do you know what legacy I'm leaving you? And by this time, he's rolling his eyes going, okay, 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 whatever. Kawhi is fine. That's fine. <laughs> Wherever we're going to go is fine, you know. But it's true. When we start comparing ourselves to other people, 
and start taking our eyes off of God and honestly what he's done for us, then it starts becoming, we start believing the lies of the enemy. And James is actually warning us in here about this very thing. About we can't compare. I really don't care where so-and-so is going on senior trip. What I care about is they may not spend eternity in heaven. Now, my boys get tired of me talking about like that, but they know what I'm going to say. And they know that nobody has more money than us. Nobody has more riches than us. Nobody has more legacy than we have. Like they know what I'm, your inheritance is great. So I tell them that now they may still think somebody has more money than us, but I'm like, baby, some things money can't buy and riches are not based on money. So we, you know, you got to instill that into your, some, some of us need to instill that into us. Because we start comparing ourselves to everybody else, and we want to keep up with the Joneses. You know that saying? I always say the Joneses are bankrupt. You better keep your eyes on Jesus, right? Because don't be trying to keep up with anybody. You better be living with how God's called you to live. And he will bless you according to how he sees fit in your life and what he can really trust us with. Okay, I'm way off my notes. Okay, so, um, so how do we avoid Satan's deceptions and endure such a trial with God's joy through your tears? Okay, how do we avoid Satan's deceptions and endure such trials? We do it with God's joy, and a lot of times that comes through tears. So James shows us this, how to avoid being deceived when we go through trials. We have to first be affirmed by faith that God's sovereign goodness. God is good, period. Not God is good if, God is good, but God is good, period. We have to just know that. So I'm going to just start back really quick in verse 12. James states this, and Pastor Tommy did such a great job with this, but he says this, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. He goes on to show verses 13 through 15, that God does not tempt us with evil. When we sin, it comes from our own lust. But now he shows us that when we're under trial, we're susceptible to deception. At such times, we must affirm by faith that God is good and only gives us good gifts. This is supremely illustrated in our salvation, which demonstrates his sovereign goodness. So here's what I want you to know. When we, constant, when we are constantly tempted to reserve, reverse the truths that James sets forth in verses 13 through 18... Rather than blaming evil on ourselves, we're tempted to blame it on God. See, verses 13 through 18 says that when we are tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. Let's just call it what it is. I gave in a temptation. I had to have some sort of weakness there in my life. I had to have, okay, this is going to be off the point. This morning I'm listening, you know, I'm listening to the Bible through the year. I'm listening this year instead of reading. I'm still reading my Bible, but I'm listening to the Bible like through. And so it's, and I've told you this a couple times, but it's amazing the things I'm picking up on by hearing. I'm just using another part of my sensories. And so I'm not reading, I'm hearing. And so this morning I'm in um, 1 Samuel and I had to stop it twice because it was a story. Of, and this is a part of this. It was a story of when um, Samuel, because what did I say here that reminded me of this? Um, oh, blaming it on somebody else. Okay, it was a story of when Samuel was grieved over Saul. And God says, I'm going to find a new king. And he tells, God tells Samuel, stop grieving over Saul, right? And, and then it said, the Bible said, I'm listening. And it said, Saul, um, basically when, whenever he would get oppressed from the Lord, David would come and play. You know the story, okay? Well, I'm, I don't know the story, but I'm listening to it as I was getting dressed this morning, and I had to stop it because I was, I said, I stopped it and I said, Lord, why would you do that to Saul? 
Because earlier, a couple of days ago, God picked Saul and that whole story. And, and that's a whole, I'm going to teach on that one day because that whole thing of Saul going to look for his dad's lost donkey and he was being obedient to the father. Blessings follow obedience because of his obedience. He found himself in the right place at the right time. Anyway, that's another whole teaching you're going to get later. But so I, so I had to stop it and I said, Lord, I'm getting dressed. And I said, Lord, why would you do that to Saul? Because you picked him. I, just a couple days ago, you picked him when we were reading this and we're listening. Why would you do that? And this is what the Lord told me. And, and based on what I was teaching, that's what the Lord told me. He said, when Saul got impatient and wouldn't wait on me, because you remember, I don't know if you know the story, but he, may, he went ahead and didn't wait on Samuel to make the sacrifice. He said he opened, because that disobedience brought sin, he opened the door to sin and temptation in his life. And boy, when he said that, I stood back like this and I said, so you're telling me, I don't know. Who else talks to God like that? Okay. I said, so God, so you're telling me that if I will guard my heart and not open the door through disobedience or whatever else, then I can avoid temptation coming into my life. And God says, you can avoid walking into a trap. Yes. Temptation may come, but it won't trap you up. I said, ha ha. Saul should have, I should have been teaching back then. Maybe I could have, but that's, and that's so true. And this is what James is talking about here. Cause this is what it said. It says, instead of blame, if we don't reverse the truths that James sets forth in verses 13 or 18, rather than blaming evil, um, on God, take responsibility and say, is there any area in my life where I've let sin come in by whatever? Let's talk about what that could be. Disobedience. Definitely. What about, um, rebellion? The Bible says this is a form of witchcraft, and you don't even want me to start teaching on that. What about uh, gossip? What about idolatry? Uh, any kind of thing. We have to really start guarding our hearts so that we can make sure that we, maybe there'll be temptation, but we don't have to get ensnared by it because we're guarding our hearts. So here's what it's saying here. So the reason, okay, so it, by, this is what we say. We start saying, I'm tempted. I fell into temptation. Remember Saul was like, Samuel, I couldn't wait on you to come. I had to do it. Right? So we say this, I'm just the victim rather than attributing everything good in our lives to a loving heavenly father. We're prone to take the credit ourselves. Well, the reason I'm so blessed is because I'm such a good person. James wants us to avoid those common pitfalls so that we will persevere in the trials and receive the crown of life. We have to be careful that we don't say when things are going good and we're on the mountaintop that, oh, the reason why that's happening is because I'm so good because I'm doing everything right. Because listen, I'm just going to tell you, I've done a lot of things right in my life and I've still went through a lot of hard times. I have to know through the good and the bad and the ugly that God is good, period. I have to know that. I can't have... Do I, sometimes do I, I get so bad that I want to question God? Yes, I'm human. Sometimes I'm just like, you know, I, I get how people say, where was God when this happened? Like, I get that. But at the end of the day, I have to know that I know that I know God is good, period. And so James is talking about that. He's talking like, you, we need to be prepared for that. So number one says this, when you go through trials, you are especially vulnerable to deception. So, Okay. We're not saying maybe you could be. No. When you go through trials, you're especially vulnerable to deception. It's like Mo uses this on me all the time because it happens more with me, I think, than him. But when fatigue walks in, faith walks out. And boy, that is 100% true. When I am physically exhausted, mentally exhausted, emotionally exhausted, my faith goes down. And you know that I'm a a person of very high faith. 
But I'm going to tell you, I can have a very drop, a big drop in my faith when I'm exhausted. Mentally, spiritually, emotionally, whatever it is. And so we ha- that's when you have to be on, uh, that's when this is really going to apply here. You have to be very um, receptive of the enemies, like what's he doing, the lies he's feeding. And you have to filter what you're thinking with God's truth. The only way you can really be accurate with that is know his word. Know his word so much that when something comes your way, that there's going to be something louder than the lie of the enemy. You know what I'm saying? Um, I had one of my spiritual kids call me one time and they said they were doing, they were doing something. They were about to do something they shouldn't be doing. And they were like, honestly, I heard your voice in my head. And I said, well, thank the Lord because we need the Holy Spirit. But if it's not going to be the Holy Spirit, I'll be the second best thing. Because seriously, we need somebody in our life speaking truth into our life so loud that when we can't hear the Holy Spirit, because we can manipulate him. We can, that wasn't the Holy Spirit. Maybe that wasn't, no, that wasn't the Holy Spirit. But we can start manipulating that. But when you have people speaking into your life truth and you have the Holy Spirit, re, you, listen, that's some safeguards there. Sometimes we get to where we know so much that we don't want anybody speaking into our life. And what we don't realize we're doing is pushing the Holy Spirit out too. We have to be accountable. So James is saying this here. He says this. James was not a cold-hearted theologian when he said this. He's a, he says, He's not, he wasn't the kind of pastor that would say, hey, here's what you need. Call me in the morning. He really wanted to give us some truths here. He had a pastor's heart for those believers who were going through terrible trials. As a pastor, he knew that sound doctrine about God's and his salvation is the most compassionate way to help people who are struggling through trials. God's truth gives us the rock we need to stand on. You know, I have to give it to old James too, because, you know, he didn't really believe until after the resurrection. So he had went through some stuff. So I think he was very qualified to tell people, listen, when it gets tough to believe, I was there. But I believe. And you have to know that you know what truth is. And so he says this right here. I was trying to get to all this to get right here to verse 16. He says this. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. I'll just add sisters too. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Apparently, some of James's readers were already nibbling on Satan's bait. If your God is good and loving, why is he letting you suffer or us suffer? If he is omnipotent, he could stop it. James reminds us that God is both good and sovereign. He never sends anything into anything evil into our lives. He only sends good gifts. But we need to define those good gifts from God's eternal, all-wise perspective and plan, not from our short-sighted temporal point of view. God sends trials for his sovereign, loving purposes. I, I think about... In the beginning of James, when he says, count it all joy, count it pure joy, my brothers, when you go through various trials, because that's what works out patience, perseverance. That's what makes it stronger to go through. Um, I think about people training for these marathons, which is not me. Pastor and I went walking and we started to run the straightways and walk the, the, uh, the curves yesterday. I was about to die. I was like, I can't. He says, but if we do a little bit every day, I think we'll better run. I said, I don't know. I'm about to die out here. I don't know. But you know what? I do know this. I do know this from training. If I do a little bit each day, it builds my resistance. It builds my perseverance. I can do a little more. I will feel a little better. I will be able to do that, right? What's well, like that same thing if we're going through trials. If we start believing God through this trial, the next trial that comes is going to be a little bit easier to believe God because now we have history. Now we kind of know what to expect. Now we kind of are more aware of the enemy's lies. I think Pastor Tommy said this last, last week that the devil's playbook isn't very big. 
It's the same plays, the same lies, the same things over and over again. We just have to be aware of that. But he comes. So I'm not saying that we're dumb. I'm just saying the devil is smart. And he comes to us at times when we're low, when things are happening, when I can't believe this happened in life, right? And when you think about it, like when you really think about it, you think the worst thing that could happen is death and it's appointed unto man wants to die. Like we know we all have to die. But when it happens to like my 21 year old spiritual son, that's just not right. Through that, I have to know that God is good. I have to. He's the giver of good gifts, right? And so there's not an easy answer for that. I just know that that trial built my faith. Was it easy? No. Is it still difficult some days? His mama texts me today. I have no answers. God is good. I'm going to choose to trust God. When I can't see his hand, I can't see what he's doing. I can't see why that happened. But I can trust his heart, and I know that he's a good God, right? And so James is saying right here, hey, guys, do not be deceived. If he's saying that, that's a hello, we should pay attention. That means you're going to be deceived. You have the potential of being deceived. There's a possibility you will be deceived. So we have to know that we know that we know, right? Okay, so James affirms here that we do not be deceived that um, there's a couple of scriptures I'm not going to use to save some time. So I put this in your thing. James affirms here in verse uh, 17 for people going through trials. Let's read verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So James affirms right here for people going through trials that every good and, and Everything given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. James's point is that these good and perfect gifts, along with the many things that God gives us to enjoy, like the taste of good food, the love of our families, the beauty of his creation, and every wonderful experience in life, all of these good things come to us from God, whose very nature is good. He also, I thought this was interesting, he states that all, all the good things we experience come down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. This is the only time that God is called Father of lights. It refers to the fact that he created light and the heavenly bodies that give off light. Light stands for that which is good, in contrast to Satan's evil domain of darkness. Father points not only to God's creative power, but also to his tender care of his creatures. When James says that the father of lights, when he says that there is no variation or shifting shadow, he is drawing a comparison with the sun. I thought this was interesting. Anybody like just hearing little bits of truth? Little revelation? Like the sun, God does not vary in his essential nature, which is light. He's always steadily, he, he is always steadily is light. He's always good. But on earth, we do not always experience the steady light of the sun. It varies on cloudy days, at night, and with the changing of seasons. James means that when we experience what seems to be the cloudy days or dark nights or wintry seasons, do not make the mistake of thinking that God has changed in his the essential goodness toward us. His nature and his purpose toward his children are steady and unchanging. Therefore, we can trust him at all times and in every difficult circumstance. So basically, I, what I love that because what it's saying is that today, for example, is a good day. 
Today was very cloudy and overcast. Well, at least in Baldwin, it was my mother-in-law. It was, she pointed out, she said, huh, I haven't seen the sun in a couple of days. She said, it's been cloudy. She said, it's like the summer patterns, you know, the afternoon. It gets real cloudy and we don't see the sun. Has anybody seen the clouds today? Was anybody wondering if the sun was ever going to come out again? Anybody question that? You, we know that the sun will come out again, even if it's cloudy, even if it's dark outside. Even if there's an eclipse, do we ever doubt that the sun will shine again? That's the same kind of thing we have to have about God as the father of lights. We know that if it's a bad trial, God is still good. When we can't see him, can't see what he's doing, don't understand, he's still good. He's going to be as much faith as we have that the sun is going to shine again, and it, it will be 90 degrees tomorrow, as much faith as we have about that, then we should have as much faith, if not more, that God is good, and he's gonna, we're going to win in the end, right? So James is saying that, like, don't be, don't be deceived like, by, by the shifting shadows. Just because it doesn't look like it's God, he's still a good God, right? Okay, so two things here. Therefore, we can trust him. So there are two pra- practical applications. I'm not going to finish. Understanding God's attributes as revealed in his word is essential for your spiritual well-being. You must know God, not as you may conceive him to be or wish him to be, but as he is revealed in the Bible. So two things that's going to make this sure up. You have to know God and not the God that we, matter of fact, a little bit later says, I think I'll put this in your thing. Uh, to dodge what the Bible says about God is to make God in your own image, and that's called idolatry. We can't make God what we think he should be in this situation. We have to know who God is based on the attributes of his word. And so when a trial comes and when life gets tough, you know, I love the book of James. It's so real. It's, it's so practical. And so what James is saying is he's giving us wisdom here. He's saying, hey, guys, remember when I first taught, I said it's not about when, if trials come, it's when. And I talked about how we live in South Louisiana, so it's not like when the next storm is going to come or if it's going to come, but it's when. Because of where we live. Because of where we live here on earth in a world filled with sin, it's not if something bad's going to happen. It's just when. And when that comes, we steadfast in who God is. We're only going to know that based on the attributes of his word. And here's the thing, guys, when we're going through that, there's nobody on the face of this earth who can tell you who God is. It's going to mean nothing to you. You have to, he has to be personal to you. You have to know who he is deep on the inside of you. You know when that should happen? When times are good, when you're just listening to his word and getting dressed and you're like, wait a minute, I didn't catch that before when I read that. God, let's talk about that a minute. Why would you do that to Saul? You start talking to God like that and start, and start getting, and so God revealed a piece of himself to me this morning that I didn't catch in my 44 years of living that made him a little bit more personal to me. Do you see what I'm saying? And I'm not just saying about me. I can only talk about me because I'm teaching, but for you too, make him real to you. Make him, when you're going through something and God reveals himself to you, write it down because we'll forget. The older I'm getting, I'm more, it's happening more and more. Like you will forget, write it down so you can go back. I, uh, I found a journal from a, a very dark time in our life um, when we were very early in ministry. And I was, and it's still so hard for me to read because it's so, I, I mean, God's healed us of that. But like, if I read it, I'm there again and it, the pain is there. And so, but I remember thinking this, I, I remember literally I put that book, that little journal was on the side of my bed. And I said this, when I put it there, I said, I feel like God, 
I've just crossed the Jordan River and I look back and I see all of these stones of remembrance, how you've been there. And for me, that journal is a stone of remembrance because when I'm thinking God's not there, I can look at that journal. I can't really read it. I really don't want to read it, but I can look at it and say, he brought me through a very dark season when the sun wasn't shining. I knew it was shining again one day and here it is shining again. So I'm going to remember that. So that's, that keeps us from getting deceived because what happens human nature, what happens is we go through a tough time and we forget that we've already been through 48 of them, you know, last year. And, and we start thinking, I can't believe God did this. I can't believe he, I just, I can't believe it. I can't believe God's not showing up and showing out like he wants me to. Then we become offended. Then we let offense in and that's sin, by the way. When we start letting that in, then we start letting deception in and we start hearing the lies of the enemy. And we start believing the lies of the enemy. And James is saying, hey, guys, don't be deceived. This is what's going to happen. It's like I was was talking to Hayden about something the other day. And I said, Hayden, this is about how it is. And by the way, I just found out this last week they hate when I use examples. So I think I'm going to use them more. But they hate it. They told me, Mom, we hate your examples because, like, you exaggerate it so much. So I'm like, this is how it is, Hayden, because they're getting ready for football. Let's say... The other team calls out a play, but, you know, instead of using all the signs y'all use and, and the numbers, they just say, hey, we're going to run a sweep to this guy right here and be sure we're going to pat, we're going to throw the ball. Like, let's just say they throw, they just say it like that. And so the defense is going, well, everybody's going to cover this guy because they just called out the play, right? Because they use, you know, V98 or whatever. They use all kind of crazy stuff and nobody knows what it is, right? Here's how crazy this is. Satan doesn't even try to, to uh, hide the plays. He doesn't, he doesn't try to put them in code even. Like his, he is going to kill, steal, and destroy. He calls it out. And yet sometimes we sometimes look as foolish in the spirit realm as like we're running around like we didn't hear the play. No, we know every play. We have to be on our A game and be prepared for that. The problem is, if I'm going to use a football analogy, is sometimes we're so spiritually out of shape, we can't even run over to the guy who he's throwing the ball to. Right? And James is saying, do not be deceived, guys. Listen, this is going to happen. I'm telling you this is going to happen. I'm telling you when you go through trials, your faith is going to be lower and you're going to be susceptible to being deceived. Just like a telemarker calling you saying, if you send me your bank account number, I'll send you $10,000. Right? And I'm going to need your social security number too. As silly as that sounds, is about as silly as it sounds in the spirit realm, when we just go ahead and believe the lies of the enemy, we've just given them our bank account number, our social security number, our credit card number, and everything else we have. Look out. Guys, we have got to be on our A game spiritually. James gives us a warning in here. We've got to get in and know our God. So I'm, I'm, I'm near the end, I know. Bring y'all papers back next week. <laughs> I'm going to try to finish this next week. But guys, this is where I want to end. I'm going to make sure I'm just going to end right here before we get to number two. Two things that will help you understand God's, and I put this on your paper, God's attributes. First, read the Bible over and over, asking as you read, what does this teach me about you, God? And second, read some good books on the attribute of God. And there's several. If you just, I have a list here if you want them, but uh, A.W. Tozer's The Knowledge of the Holy. There's the Attributes of God um, by A.W. Pink. I mean, there's all kinds of knowing God. Um, but listen, read God's word over and over again. You can read people. Listen, men have wrote books on the attributes of God. And they're, they're wonderful. Matter of fact, we have Google today. Google it. But the truth is, just get in God's word. Start using more of your senses. Start listening to the word. 
Start reading the word. Hey, sometimes if you listen and read and follow along at the same time, it's almost like a double revelation. You know, I found that out. But get in God's word and know him because Satan is the master con artist. He's the master deceiver. But hopefully any of you get a phone call from somebody that can't really speak good English saying that they need your bank account number. Hopefully all of you would be smart enough to be like, uh, click, right? Okay, when Satan comes with anything in your mind that contradicts the word of God, click, but we got to know the word of God. Because if we don't know the word of God, we're going to be deceived. And in the end, whatever we go through, just know that God is good. Sometimes this last three, four weeks, all I... I've said a hundred times, I don't really, I don't know. How did, I've had all these spiritual kids call me. How, how could God let that happen? What, I mean, he, he loved God. I, just, I don't know. I know God is good. I said that over and over again. I know God is good. I don't understand either. I don't, but I know God is good. I know he's good. Guys, sometimes that's all we can stand on. That's all we can stand on. Why are people not getting healed? We pray for them. I don't know, but I know God is good. You know, my father-in-law, we prayed for his healing. I don't think he prayed for his healing because I think he was ready to see Jesus, but we prayed for his healing. I don't know, but I know God is good. I know that today he's healed. I know God is good. Guys, life is tough, but God is greater and he's good. He's a good God. Let's, get, let's, let's listen to, the, to James to say, let's not be deceived. Let's be aware of our enemy and let's know God's attributes and stand on that. As sure as we know that sun will shine again. We know God is good, whatever season you're in in life. Can we pray? Lord, I thank you, God, for your word. God, I thank you that you are good, period. God, there's nothing else to say. We thank you for being good. We thank you, God, that we have our faith, God, that you're going to be good no matter what circumstances come our way. God, help us. Help us to understand the truths of your word, God, and not to be deceived by the enemy and his plans, God. Help us to be well aware of his plans. God, I thank you, Lord, for your word, your revelation. Continue, Lord, to download your revelation into us, God, so we can get in the very essence of who we are, who you are. I thank you for blessing your people today. God, I pray... uh, a priestly blessing, God, pastoral blessing over your people, God, for blessing and favor and protection until we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.